Are the Cleveland Guardians signing some of their players to long-term deals? Apparently. Am I about to unveil the brand new In Memoriam video that I do every year? You bet. Do I have to clarify my positions on Jacob deGrom? Evidently. Am I about to start a new episode of Locked On MLB? What do you think? You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. For God's sakes, look at my lower third. Please call me Sully. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade, and I am on the verge, on the eve of the fifth opening day as a member here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Um, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter, on Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Be sure to like us or subscribe to us on YouTube or whatever the heck you do there. Or you can tell your smart device to play podcasts, Lockdown MLB, or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Rangers with Bryce Patrick. Um, he's a friend of the show. I pinch hit for him a couple weeks ago when uh, he was sick. And uh, apparently an appearance I made on the show or a crossover or something like that uh, hit a nerve with, with actually more than one person. A couple of people have... Um, the, the, I've seen on either on my Twitter feed or in some of the YouTube comments and everything like that. Um, uh, let, let, let me review. Let me review. Um, uh, apparently it has to do with my takes on Jacob deGrom. Um, Jacob deGrom, when he's healthy, isn't one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, he has had injuries the last couple of years. Um, leading up, leading up right through the COVID year, he was uh, probably the most reliable pitcher in baseball, certainly in the National League. Uh, was the one that he was the Cy Young winner uh, until proven otherwise. And even in 2021, when he missed a big chunk of the season due to injuries, he still was a top Cy Young contender. I mean, he was just he was he's that good. Now, here's where I guess some of the controversy lies. The Texas Rangers signed him to a multi-year deal. And not everything is done in a vacuum. I have said that I do not think that he is in a position in his career where he's going to be avoiding injuries. He is not as young as you think he is. He is, you know, when he, he kind of still, I still have this mindset that he's still like this 20-something. He is... As, as of this recording right now, his birthday went on baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Uh, last year, he was 34 years old, and uh, he is going to turn 35 in June. Now, that is still 15 years my junior, but I'm not pitching anymore. And by the way, when I was young, I stunk. <clears throat> A lot of times when you hit the mid-30s, you don't suddenly become healthy all, all over again. DeGrom was a workhorse, 
But sometimes you see workhorse pictures when they get to their mid-30s and beyond have to adjust a little bit of who they are. There are some exceptions to the rules, of course. You can always point to Nolan Ryan. He's a unicorn. You can look at some pictures like, you know, uh, I mean, Verlander missed two freaking seasons, and he's, I think, 78 years old now. That's an exaggeration. I know he's 40-something. Uh, and, he, and he bookended, basically missing two seasons, and he bookended him with Cy Young's. Um, and, and there have been exceptions left and right. And, and Jacob deGrom could be one of those exceptions. I'm not banking on it. I'm not. There are several different categories that someone like Jacob deGrom could fall into. He could be that unicorn, you know, the Verlander who comes back and is a great pitcher as if nothing happened. He could be like Hershiser or Saberhagen, who had a super high peak and then had a big stretch where they were good. Saberhagen had a lot of in- more injury issues than Hershiser, but it's not the point. Um, where they remain good, but no longer the big, huge aces. It could be that sort of agonizing Fernando Valenzuela, Tim Lincecum level, where it's like you see glimpses of their greatness, but most of the time it's just frustrating because they never get back up to there. You, the one you don't want is the Brandon Webb, where he went from workhorse, workhorse, Cy Young winner, Cy Young uh, candidate to his career's over. I don't think that's happening with Doug Rahm. More likely, it'll be kind of like Pedro Martinez. When he remained a very good pitcher, he just couldn't go as deep into the games as he used to. Kind of have to keep an eye on the pitch count. And that could very well be the case. Now, I was not kind to the Rangers signing him for this main reason. I don't see him being a workhorse. Now, that's just my opinion. A couple of people there I've seen on Twitter and everything have taken my opinion and my prediction as, I don't know, as some sort of thing that's legally binding. I could be wrong. I picked Jose Barrios to win the Cy Young Award last year. I've made horrible predictions. I predict that DeGrom's days of being a workhorse pitcher are done based upon the fact that you've had two years of injuries and you're getting to that point in someone's career where that tends to happen. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, I've made horrible predictions. I've made some good predictions. After a while, it's a bit of a coin toss. The reason why I was particularly tough on Texas about this is that I don't see Texas being that close to being a playoff team. They're not going to win the West. I'm, I'm pretty safe in that prediction. Pretty freaking safe in that prediction that the Houston Astros, which, by the way, I'm not an Astros fan, but I also don't hate the Astros. I just think they're the best team in the American League. I think Seattle's better than them than Texas. Um, I think they're better than Oakland. I think they're probably neck and neck with the Angels right now. Do I think that they're better than the Yankees or Blue Jays? No, I don't. And I think the Rays are better. So this is not a team that's making the playoffs this year. And by the time they're ready, DeGrom is going to be 37-38, and then I don't think anyone will be thinking to be a workhorse. This is not a signing in a vacuum. Him sign, if he signed with Los Angeles or if he signed with the Yankees or the Astros or any aforementioned team, if he had signed with the Cardinals, I would have said, oh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. I'm just worried that Ranger fans are expecting 2019 Jacob deGrom, and then they're going to get 2022 Jacob deGrom, who's very good when he's on the mound, 
but I don't think you can rely on him being on the mound. That's my prediction. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, it, it's not to be taken personally or anything. I mean, there were one or two people got a little heated about it. It's just a prediction. And it's clearly not me having anything against Jacob DeGrom. I'm a Jacob DeGrom fan. I'd like to see the Rangers do well. Why? They've never won a World Series. I know a bunch of Ranger fans. I know it would be one of the happiest days of their life. And Bruce Bochy is the manager. Bruce Bochy was my late father's favorite manager. You don't think I want to see Bruce Bochy be the one to lead the Rangers to a World Series title? And you'd have to include Bochy's name along with Sparky Anderson and Tony La Russa as the only managers to win a World Series in both leagues? Darn right I want to see that. I just don't think I'm going to see it this year. And I don't think I'm going to see it within the time frame of which DeGrom's, whatever's left of his peak, will still be peaking. I just spit there a little bit. I'm not even going to cut that out. And if the Rangers made this signing in 2020, hell, even before the 2021 season, I would have been looking at this and comparing it to what are some of the great acquisitions of a starting pitcher. I mean, Nolan Ryan, obviously, when he signed with the Astros, um, the greatest, the two great, or the two greatest free agent signings of pitchers of all time, uh, Randy Johnson when he signed with Arizona, Greg Maddox when he signed with the um, Atlanta Braves. Um, I'd throw CC Sabathia. I'm just talking about pure free agency at this point. You know, CC Sabathia when he signed with the uh, um, the Yankees. Of course, the greatest, you know, the acquisitions he had, like you know, Pedro Martinez. You know, here's here's where I could be very wrong. Here's where I could be very wrong. If he comes back, DeGrom stays healthy this whole year, does his 30-some-odd starts, pitches close to 200 innings and pitches the way we know we can, and suddenly everything clicks with the Rangers, and they pull a 1991 Twins, and he's basically the Jack Morris of that staff. Yeah. I'll eat crow. I'd like to eat crow on that particular topic. But just to be clear, I think he's going to be Pedro Martinez circa 2004-2005. Very good. Maybe even a Cy Young contender. But can't go as deep in the games and you're going to be, you know, holding your breath, you know, for every start. You know, the, the Mets are throwing money around like drunken sailors. And they didn't throw that money around at Jacob DeGrom. That's a little bit of a red flag to me. But anyway, I felt like bringing that up because this came up today. And even though I have a couple of the topics, I want to bring this right up at the top. I do. Jacob DeGrom was one of our best workhorse pitchers. That's a fact. I don't think he's going to be this year. That's not a fact. That's a prediction. I want him to. That's a desire. We'll see what happens. That's also a fact. And boy, this is one of the fun things of the season's beginning in what, 36 hours or something like that? And all this prognostication, predictions, and everything like that. Soon that will be moot and we will see it unfold. I think I just hit my microphone. My apologies if I just hit my microphone. Oh boy, I just hope this sort of thing doesn't cost me a job. Well, if it does cost me a job, one thing I do know is that there are people out there hiring. And if you're one of those people who are out there, trying to hire, let me suggest LinkedIn jobs. There are many ways 
that a potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best quality candidates out there. And that's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and free. If you can then post your job, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on MLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. As always, terms and conditions apply. Okay. Um, moving along, another team that I would love to see win the World Series. I, I, w- I mean, I would like to see the Rangers win the World Series. As I said, they've never won it. And I'm a big fan of fans having that generational moment. That moment where they go, oh, my God, I've been waiting my whole life for this. As a native New Englander and a Red, you know, grew up loving the Red Sox, what happened in 04, I still can't get over. We're approaching the 20th anniversary of it. I'm still shaking from it. My father, huge Giants fan, um, saw them win when he was a kid in New York. because My dad grew up outside of New York as a New York Giants fan. Then off we moved to California, and there he is with San Francisco, Every day, every day, following the team, following the team, even when they were bad. And when they finally won in 2010, he just, you could just see it. He was beaming, absolutely beaming. You know, my friends who are Cubs fans, my friends who are White Sox fans, Angel fans, everyone I know who had that generational moment, that moment where you're like, I can't believe that this is happening. I want to see that happen with the Rangers. I want to see that happen with Cleveland. And what do those two teams have in common? Well, they both lost a seven-game World Series in the last decade, and they both were this close to winning. The Rangers were one strike away from winning game six of the 2011 World Series twice in the same game, and twice in the same game, Cleveland was one swing away from winning the 2016 World Series. If they had hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth or the bottom of the tenth when there was runners on base, Cleveland would have that title. and chances are the Cubs would be still scrounging for their first. Now, I have been very, very critical. And it's funny, Cleveland fans haven't been critical of me of this. I've been very, very critical of the fact that Cleveland is a team that should have images of a World Series dancing in their head. They have arguably the best team in their division. Now, I say arguably because going into last year, it was a foregone conclusion that the Chicago White Sox were going to win the American League Central and they finished even 500. So it looks like a foregone conclusion that Cleveland's going to win, but you don't know. In fact, I can't, I think I'm, if you, uh, when you see my prediction episodes, um, did I, did I pick the twins i gotta look back i can't remember by the way for those of you who get really upset about my predictions i can't even remember the prediction i made a couple of days ago i should write some of these things down one of my biggest complaints i've had about the cleveland guardians and yeah i i got the name right is that 
they have a pitching staff and they have an absolute on the bottom of the ocean payroll with a billionaire owner. If they had raised the payroll to mediocrity, this would be a team that everyone would be thinking could run away with the central and have the pitching to potentially win it all. And if Cleveland finally wins it all, that's the generational moment for their baseball fans and would get the franchise off the schneid. Well, I have to give credit where credit is due. If I'm going to trash your franchise when they don't show the initiative, I got to praise them when they actually open up their wallet. I thought you thought we all thought Jose Ramirez was going to go. We all did. By the going into the, the opening day last year, that was one of the talks of what's going to happen this season. Oh, boy, where's Jose Ramirez going to end up? Why is Sully talking like George Harrison? And it was basically the, the conclusion. This is a cheapskate team. Jose Ramirez is an all-star player. He's going to be a free agent soon. He's going to scram. Is he going to go to L.A.? Is he going to go to the Yankees? Is he going to go here? And Cleveland turned over enough cushions on their sofa, and they signed Ramirez to an extension. And I pulled a Roger Rabbit with my eyes going, you fully understand that you're the audio-only podcast. Didn't see the great, great character work I just did there. Well, do you know what? I got to give them some credit. Andres Jimenez, who was came over in the uh, uh, the Francisco Lindor trade, and I got on them about the Lindor trade. Yeah, initially got him for the Lindor trade because I thought, like, why are you trading away your good young, you know, your good young players? But it looks like right now they are finalizing a seven-year extension with Andres Jimenez, basically saying we're gonna, you know, he is, uh, he's gonna be twenty-five years old this year. Uh, was an all-star, gold glove, MVP candidate with power, with speed, gets on base, has a really high OPS, and, um, you know, and, you know, was part of the Cleveland team that almost got their butts to the um, ALCS. But Rosario, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jimenez, he was part of the, uh, you know, Jimenez, has worked out quite well. Thank you very much. And now now you can have two pieces of their infield locked up. But Rosario, and that's why I I was looking at my notes here, Rosario, who also came in the Lindor Lindor trade with New York, they're looking to extend his contract. And they're near an extension with Trevor Steffen, who's a good reliever in that solid bullpen. And Tristan McKenzie who is not quite a, you know, the ace workhorse yet, but he certainly has capability of that, is in discussions as well, as is last year's surprise sensation, Stephen Kwan. Cleveland's learning something, maybe from their uh, brethren of, from the uh, 1995 World Series, and that is, look it, if you're going to, you, you might as well buy out their prime. You might as well say, you're going to be here, we'll just, we just want your full prime, because you're only going to get more expensive as it goes on. So you make more money up front, you may make less money later, but in the end, everyone wins out. And here's what I like about it. 
it's setting up a situation with Cleveland where they're telling their fans, they're telling the teams, yeah, we're going to go for it. And we recognize that we have a young core, so let's keep them together. Let's say all of these deals work. You will have an infield of Ramirez, Jimenez, and Rosario signed for long term. You'll have Quan in the outfield, you'll have McKenzie, and you'll have Stefan in their pitching staff. What does that mean for Bieber? I don't know, and neither do you. But at least if you're trying to keep Bieber, you could say, hey, we're not breaking the team up, if that's what you're worried about. And if they do wind up dealing Bieber, they can say, hey, we still have a decent foundation here. So this is good for baseball. This is what happened. This is hopefully the the ripple effect of what we're learning from San Diego. Of course, San Diego hasn't won yet, but they're at least putting together a team that has the attitude of, we're going to try to win. We're going to do our best to win. It's not a novel thought. And Cleveland is saying, wait a minute. The White Sox could be good. The Twins could be good. The Tigers and Royals are rebuilding. But there's no Astros in this division. There's no Blue Jays or Yankees, who I think this year are going to both be mid-90 win teams. And I think Tampa is also going to be a 90 win team. There's no other team like that in this division. And you can say, wait a minute. Now, of course, there are some caveats. Minnesota has improved their team. And the White Sox are not going to be the dysfunctional family that they were last year. But also, those are flawed teams. And Cleveland said, hey, if we have a, if we have a, a commuter lane to make the playoffs of, as a division winner a bunch of years in a row, one of those years we can pull out a 2021 Braves and have everything click and win. Then they'll get off our back. So that's good. I like seeing Cleveland spending. I like seeing San Diego spending. I do. And those teams, unlike Texas, are already pretty dang close to the promised land. Part of me would love to see a San Diego versus uh, Cleveland World Series. I think that'd be kind of cool. And you'd have Melvin versus Francona. Yeah, if, if, if Francona, uh, Francona's already going to the World Series, uh, going to the Hall of Fame. Melvin, I think, is a World Series title away. But either way, I think that uh, we could see some really cool stuff. And it'll really, it'll give the city of Cleveland just a nice boost of energy, I think, knowing that their team's sticking around. Speaking of bursts of energy, kind of like when you bite into a really good quality protein bar like Built. Now, the Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now it's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote on your favorites. I'll be voting for Raspberry. That's my favorite. Favorite. And if you want your team to win, you'll be voting for that bar too. Now support your team, support your bar, or support your puff. Now, when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entering into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but Locked On fan, one Locked On fan is going to win a 12-month subscription and have Built have their best bars or puffs delivered straight to your door. Easy for you to say. 
got to try Built. Built's the best protein bar ever, seriously. They're so amazing that you won't think they're good for you. What makes them so great? For starters, they're high in protein, low in sugar, covered 100% real chocolate. That's right. I'm not lying to you. Real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick for Built Bar. All right, folks. Um, hey, uh, I just want to make one quick announcement. Uh, this is a announcement for what is coming up this week. In fact, starting on Wednesday, get ready for baseball season with Locked On MLB's Ultimate Six Episode Season Preview. Our local national experts, including your pal Sully, will give in-depth analysis of every team, including the Rangers, and division in a way that only Locked On can provide. Find all six episodes on Locked On MLB for on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the season is beginning on Thursday. This episode is dropping either late Tuesday or Wednesday. And what's also late, dropping either late Tuesday or Wednesday is my annual tradition of the In Memoriam video. Uh, I began doing this. The first two I produced with my friend Rafael Rivera. And then I've done the rest of them on my own. Um, but thank you, Raphael, for showing me how to do it. Um, and uh, it began in 24, for those of you who don't know about it, I began in 2014 when I was really uh, offended that Fox didn't do a tribute to Tony Gwynn at the All-Star game. And he had died, I think, only a couple of weeks, maybe less than a month before the All-Star game. A Hall of Famer. Uh, um, like his all-star game appearances were in the teens and he had just died. One of the most beloved players of my generation and they didn't pay tribute to him. They didn't say anything. And one of the lame excuses that Fox gave was, well, if we pay tribute to him, we have to pay tribute to everybody of which I said, oh yes, because there was a rash of 13 time all-stars who dropped dead just before the all-star game. And Lord knows there's no downtime in a baseball game, nor commercial breaks. Um, but instead of complaining about it, I raised the middle finger and Raphael and I, in one day, put together, and looking back now, it's kind of was hastily put together, but did an in-memoriam video. I, I put it to the, the kind of like you would see in the Oscars. And so I wanted to show this at the All-Star game, a moment of, you know, to, to celebrate the players. And... It got some attention, got a lot of clicks and everything like that and all that stuff. And then I decided to do it. Raphael and I did it again the next year. And then we did it. I, then I said, I'm, don't worry, Raphael, I'll do it on my own. And he was happy because, you know, it's fine. And uh, I've done it every year. And 2014 was the first one. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. All at the All-Star game. And I had to get it done before, you know, before the All-Star game. Well, then the COVID year hit, and there was no All-Star game. In fact, it looked like for a while there wasn't even going to be a season. But I made one before the opening day of the truncated season. And I realized it actually makes more sense as an opening day thing than an All-Star game. I mean, it was only the All-Star game because I was raising middle finger to the Fox producers regarding Tony Gwynn. So now it's everyone who has – it's basically everyone who's died – since last year's opening day. And it's funny, since Hank, there was that one year before the 2021 season where there were seven Hall of Famers 
Lasorda. I'm going to see if I can remember. Uh, Lasorda, Don Sutton, Tom Seaver, Phil Necro, Joe Morgan, um, uh, Whitey Ford, and Henry Aaron. I think that those are the seven. But there are no Hall of Famers had died between. Yeah, you know, there were, there were no Hall of Famers died uh, for last year's show. Um, and also by the year before, it was also my dad had died. So I opened it with a picture of me and my dad because I was just really trying to go for the tears. And every year I try to find a piece of music from a, from a movie, an emotional piece of music, and to make it feel like one of the, the in-memoriam videos that you would see at the Oscars. I, I don't like how they do the in-memoriam videos now at the Academy Awards. In the late 90s, early 2000s, they were really, really well done. And now I think they're just too rapid fire a slideshow. And I like to have them breathe a little bit. We had a couple hall. We had uh, two players from the Hall of Fame die this year, or die in for this uh, uh, for this montage: Gaylord Perry and Bruce Souter. And we had two members of the Hall of Fame's broadcasting wing: Tim McCarver and uh, Vin Scully. And the hardest part for me every year is finding the right piece of music. First year I did the natural. Let's see, the second year I had from the untouchables one year from field of dreams, one year from glory, believe it or not, one year, the movie of the rocket tier, which is by the way, an unbelievably underrated movie, which had a great music score. You know, I use it from Miller's crossing one year, the cider house rules another year. Last year, it was actually from Superman, the movie, um, the music of uh, Martha Kent, theme in uh, Superman the movie which is very emotional uh, you'll see which uh, if you're a baseball fan a baseball movie fan you'll probably recognize from the first notes which movie I borrowed from this year I like to have it breathe a little bit I like to you know I don't want to just be a slideshow of, of faces there are a lot of times where I do show a lot of stills of people and like the Oscars I can't get everybody there's inevitably someone you're going to miss. But this year's Oscars, there were some huge ones. Paul Sorvino, who was also the Rocketeer. Paulie from Goodfellas, one of the great character actors. Um, Melinda Dillon, an Oscar-nominated actress who you may know as the mother whose child is kidnapped in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Also, she was the mother in A Christmas Story, uh, which I think everyone in the world has seen A Christmas Story. Uh, she also got a nomination for a wonderful film called Absence of Malice. She wasn't in the montage. So I have, you know, <laughs> my my desk here looks like a crazy person, but I have all, I keep track of all the potential names of the people who could be in it, all the people who died. And I make sure I don't miss big ones. If you're in the Hall of Fame, if you're on an all-star team, if you're part of a World Series champion, um, but I also emphasize making sure there's people represented from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, you know, the, from the league from the league of their own, or anyone from the Negro Leagues. And I put a special emphasis on on those two leagues because there are fewer and fewer of them, of the people who played in those leagues who are still with us. And those leagues are gone. And when they die, every time one of them dies, it's really losing a piece of that connection to that past baseball has an illusion of living in the past present and future simultaneously and the in memoriam video that i make 
kind of pierces that illusion a little bit. That's kind of the idea, but it's also to pay tribute to these people who I revere. Um, this year, uh, as you see that I love to put clips in that like I try to have it open and end with a big one, sprinkle a couple of big ones in the middle. And I also try not to have too many still pictures in a row, just three or four, then another clip, three or four and another clip. And I try to have each picture kind of go into the next one in a little way. I try not to have like three pictures of people hitting a home run next to each other. I try to break it up. And this year, um, as you'll see, as I'm posting it, um, I really try to go for the the uh, trying to make you cry jugular. So sue me. And, you know, of course, um, uh, check out the uh, Twitter feed, RIP MLB. Um, and <laughs> I'm where they all deaths are announced there. Uh, and I use that as my, uh, my go-to resource. And the, the minute I edited the ending of this video, I, uh, was like, oh, please, please, Willie Mays, please, Carl Yastrzemski, please, Rachel Robinson, please, no more big deaths. Make it to the end of the week because I have an ending. So look it. I'm going to post that. And in some ways, for me at least, that's how I know the season's about to begin. And so look it. Predictions we made about the Rangers could come true, could not come true. And if they don't come true, I'll just shrug and say, yep, bad prediction. Cleveland actually trying to put together a team to win. Wow. That's really good because I don't know if there's anyone left from the 1948 team that's still alive. And the in memoriam video. Yeah. That's my little gift to you all. I hope you enjoy. It's the wrong term. I hope you see that a lot of love went into it and that it's important as we move on to pay tribute to those, the men and women who did things on the field, off the field, and over the airways for this great sport. So thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Just getting ready for the season, and be sure to check out all of the previews that are dropping on this very feed starting on Wednesday, I think. This has been Locked on MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.